<laughs> Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the glory of knowing you. I'm just, during worship today, Lord, I was so struck yet again of how extraordinary your love is for us. The reality that none of us have chosen ourselves, that all of us have fallen short of your glory. God, we all were born <laughs> in Adam's nature. We were already doomed. There was no way we could save ourselves. Our best efforts fell completely short, and you swooped in with your love, and you made it absolutely possible for us to be with you. And I just want to start by just thanking you that you're a good God. Thank you that your love Thank you for mercy and righteousness. Thank you for justice and mercy. Oh, <laughs> wow. And Lord, today, would you just give us the opportunity to know you better? Will you, I mean, I'm just thinking, you did everything before we even asked. So now how much more that we've turned to you, will you give us revelation? Will you give us greater love? Will you let us know you more? that we together could know you more. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking about prayer, and I'm going to talk to you about prayer today, and, and I'm going to talk about a specific part of prayer. How many of you guys, I, you probably, let me just catch you up. There are some extraordinary things going on in the earth right now. Extraordinary. I know there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but the Word says that wherever darkness increases, His light, His Grace, his glory increases all the more. So on one hand, you can look out and be like, boy, there's a lot of dark stuff going on. But on the other hand, you have to go, but then there's more light coming. You know, there was a very, very, very dark, dark, dark time like there has never been before. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. One of the translations for that face of the deep is that all was darkness and chaos. And the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the darkness and said, let there be light. And there was light. There's never been a more chaotic time than before God created light. And yet he created out of that all the things you see now. So I think he's probably up to the task of the latest trends, the pop culture are you guys having fun yet? Okay, just checking. He is doing great things. And just in our region, there's extraordinary things happening. We are getting ready to embark upon a region-wide prayer effort between churches so that we have people praying specifically in concert together over the same things in the unity of the Holy Spirit, under the name of Jesus Christ, as the regional church in this area, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done in every sphere of society. And we're going to cover every hour of every day in this region, 365 days a year. And, and that's not just a cute dream, it's actually happening. We have 24 churches now that have already signed up. 24 out of the 31 days, if we have a 31-day month, are already full. Are you guys even alive? That's so awesome. We used to accuse each other that we weren't even really going to heaven. Now we're actually praying together. Other churches, you'd be like, you don't really know. You know like Jesus. You don't know the real Jesus, like the one that we're worshiping. I don't even know if you guys are going. Now we're getting together and praying the scriptures that, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done in this region. It's happening. 
Jaeger! This, this response right here is directly proportionate to the ladies not being here. And I feel like this is not on me. I am, I'm just saying, if you tell on me later, I'm telling on you for the lack of excitement because many of you spent most of the morning looking for your pants. All right, so let's jump in here. I wanted to talk to you today about the origin of agreement because today we're going to talk about agreement in prayer and what an extraordinary aspect of prayer that it is. Agreement. Aren't those cute little fish? They're just lovely. It's so mesmerizing. So God said in Genesis, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, which made me think of this slide. Let's just say law. Over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What an interesting statement. Uh, I'm going to admit that uh, I quite enjoyed this show. Um, and uh, I honestly can't remember the name of it, but it's got, uh, it's got, it's Life According to Jim. And it's uh, Jim Belushi is the, is the main character, right? And he's like this kind of narrow, chauvinist dude who knows everything. But it's funny, you know, because it's Jim Belushi. He's married to this great lady that reminds me of Karen, to tell you the truth. Anyway, but he's just this know-it-all. And, and uh, this, his, his wife brings home this friend who's sort of the typical um, uh, caricature of an extraordinarily like, liberal you know, uh, feminist movement type of lady. And so they're talking, right? And Jim is immediately like, you know, doing his thing. And it's Christmas time. And so he says, well, probably, you don't probably celebrate Christmas, do you? You probably don't want to kill a tree, you know? And she's looking at him, you know, the, the, the feminist lady. And, and, uh, and he says, you're probably going to go, instead of have a Christmas tree, you're probably just going to go around and dance around a tree or something, have winter solstice, aren't you? And and uh, you probably don't even believe in God. And she looks at him and she smiles and she goes, no, I believe in her. And he goes, <laughs> and he's like, God is a boy's name. <laughs> it's funny, but it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him in his image. I don't know what to tell you. Let's just keep reading. So then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to start by saying this. Okay, so God, we're going to go back to this first slide here. Come on, here we go. So God says, Let us make man in our image. Now, first, I want to start with this let us. What does us mean? More than one. We're doing good so far. So God is talking with who God is. And we know that God is three. He's three beings and he's one. He's in complete agreement with himself. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are in perfect relationship with one another. And they talk to one another and they agree to do something. Let us together do something. What shall we do? Let us together Make man in our image. And what is that image? According to our likeness, what is that like? It's like who we are. And let them have dominion over everything. Everything we just created, let's have them rule over it. How will they rule over it? In our image. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Are you with me so far? Let's continue to read the account. So then God... God? Okay. And then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So first we have the entry of what we're going to talk about. God says, In the beginning, I created everything. And then I made man in my image, male and female. And you notice it says, I made man in my image, and then it says, male and female. But it starts with, I made man in my image. Interesting, isn't it? It's, I mean, isn't that interesting? So then look at this, though, because we're going to break it down. So then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper... And that word right there, you noticed I put in there, it says azer. Can just say it, azer. All right, I will make him an azer comparable to him. Now, I'm going to come back to this, and you guys are going to love this, by the way. But let me just say this. First of all, God is in perfect relationship. He is talking amongst himself. He comes to agreement and decides to create man in his image. Are we with each other so far? When he makes them in his image, in order for the image to be of who he actually is, the image that comes out is male and female, meaning that the image of God is male and female, meaning that if you get rid of female, you only have half of God on the earth being represented. Are you with me? Is any of this confusing? Okay, so then God gives them a job to do, and he says, I'm going to let you rule over the earth and subdue it. You have dominion over everything on this earth. So God is in communication with himself, and he agrees that he's going to do something amongst himself. He comes to agreement, and he speaks it out and creates man, male and female, in his image to rule over all the things that he just created when he agreed that he would create it. And so, therefore, he does it. You guys with me so far? We have agreement. We have communication. We have agreement. We have declaration. We have creation. All right? So then he takes the man and he puts him in the garden and he gives him his job. He says, of every tree, and to tend it, he says, cultivate the garden. You guys, cultivate means to continue on, to extend it, make it beautiful, care for it. Okay? He wants him to cultivate the very things that he created in the way that he created it for the reasons that he created it. You guys with me? So he says, Adam, I've made you in my image. And I want you to cultivate what I've created. And I want you to do it in the spirit and from the heart and for the motivations that I've done it. And then he says this. So he finishes. And he gives him the tree. You guys, I don't have time to spend a whole lot on the tree. Uh, It's just amazing. But all that tree is, is the choice to choose to love God or to choose to reject God. That's simply it. Okay? When I speak to my child, and I tell my child, I don't want you to go down, uh, let's just take little little Grace, my little Gracie, my beautiful nine-year-old Grace, Autumn Grace, and I tell her, Autumn Grace, I don't want you to hitchhike, because I don't know who those people are, 
and I don't want you to get hurt. So I put before you life and death. I want you to choose to stay and continue to expand our family and to learn and to grow and to operate from the motives and desires of my heart in the context of love and relationship and honor. This is what I'm asking, Gracie. She said, okay, Dad. And I said, however, if you leave this house and you go out to I-5 and you hitchhike, there's a very good chance. In fact, it's the 15-day rule. If you're out for 15 days, you will remain homeless and most likely get pulled into human trafficking. She's nine years old. I know this is horrifying. This is every father's worst nightmare. So, if my daughter, and she will not, and God forbid, and I actually already repent of using this example, but if my daughter were to choose to go out for whatever reason and go out to the five and start hitchhiking and things went horribly wrong and she ends up being trafficked, horrifying. Is it because that was my desire for her? Is it because I created that scenario for her? Is it something that I chose? Did I go out and orchestrate the events that would damage the object of my affection and love if she were to choose to reject me? Does that mean I chose that for her? Did I choose the punishment for her? No, no, enemies of my soul who hate me and hate her, Satan, create circumstances because he comes to kill and steal and destroy. So when we choose to do the opposite of what God is asking us to do, because God says, I came to give you life and life abundantly. I came to give you out of my own personality, my own personality, I'm in unity and I'm in love and I'm in relationship and I've created you to be in that with me. I made you in my image, male and female, and I'm asking you to live according to my heart and my motivation and as you extend that, you will be blessed. You will face trials, that's true, because there's other people that aren't making good decisions. But if you follow me, I will be with you. And if you don't follow me, I'm just letting you know Satan is horrible. He's a horrifying, horrible liar. And he will hurt you and blame me. But these are your choices. That's the tree in the garden. Are you guys with me? So he gives Adam and Eve. But right now he's just talking to Adam because Eve is still inside of Adam. So he's talking to Adam and Eve, but we haven't got to see much of Eve yet. She's inside of Adam. So he speaks to Adam and he says... You can eat of any tree, but you can't eat of this one. You can choose me, or you can, or you can choose not to have me, and I will respect that. And then the Lord in his brilliance says, okay, I just gave Adam a project. I just gave him the picture. I just showed him what I want for this earth. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I will make him an azer. That word is azer. Say azer. I will make him azer. Because Adam cannot complete the task that I've given him unless I make him azer. A Adam, you are not created to be alone. I, God, am not alone. What's interesting about this, too, is that God is with Adam saying this to him. Isn't that interesting? Adam isn't alone. God's with him. God says, well, I am with you, but there's something else I have in mind. And you guys are familiar with the commandments, aren't you? What's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart. What is the next commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. And, of course, he goes even further. Jesus, after he's ascended, I mean, raised from the dead, and he says, and I give you a new command. Love them, love your neighbor as I have loved them. But here we see from the very beginning that God creates 
a neighbor. It was part of his design. Sin has not come into the world. The curse has not come into the world. Perfection. In fact, God has looked at this situation, and what did he say when he created Adam and Eve and everything? He said, it is very good. He gave it a moral assignment. He said, Adam and Eve made in my image together as one flesh. Very good. Say very good. Very good. good. It's very good. Adam, you've got a job to do, but you cannot do it on your own. I'm going to create for you Azer. Now, this word Azer is interesting. In some of the translations in our Bibles, it says a helper. And that's okay. That's okay. As long as we understand what he means by that. Some... It says a helpmate, also totally fine, as long as we understand what that word means. That word azer is used only, I think, those those couple of times in regard to Eve. I'm going to read this part, and then I'm going to get to this word azer. Keep that in your mind, okay? Out of the ground the Lord formed, formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. And so Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds, the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an azer, a helper, comparable to him. It wasn't amongst the animals. It wasn't amongst the things formed from the dirt. That word azer, there wasn't one found. That word azer, helper, is only used a couple of times to refer to Eve. All the rest of the times... It's the same word that we refer to when God helps us. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our azer and our shield. Now, the reason why I pull this out is because if we were to say, I mean, and maybe this is okay. Maybe this is okay, but I want to read it this way. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our wife and our shield. Now, if you feel like that diminishes God, it's because you have a diminished view of your wife. Well, he could go the other way. But there was not found a suitable God-created image of God, powerful leader to co-rule upon the earth found amongst the animals, those things that Adam had dominion over. And so the Lord formed Eve from Adam so that they could reign in the earth. Come on. But I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my Ezer. Azer, I'm sorry. Thou art my Azer and my deliverer. Thou art my help. Thou art as unto me as Eve is unto Adam. I cannot succeed unless you come. And be my help. Adam could not succeed without Eve. Nor can man succeed without woman. What does this have to do with prayer? Everything. Everything. Just wait. And so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. 
And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. What does that mean? Well, in the beginning, God created man, and he made man in his image. Male and female, he made him. Okay. Adam was the only <laughs> full God picture. And he existed that way for about 10 minutes. And then God said, Adam, I know who you are. And I think Adam was like us. I got this, God. I don't need somebody to be telling me how to do some stuff. I was made in your image. And God said, Adam, I know you. You can't do this on your own. You need someone made in my image. You need an azer. Look around and see if you can find one. So he looks around. He cannot find it. God says, I know, because I created you in my image. But I don't want it to work this way. I want you to be created the rest way in my image. So he takes Eve, who was in Adam at this time, takes the rib, and he says, and now you are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Woman is no longer in man. Men, you don't have a feminine side. You cannot develop it. It was taken out of you in Adam. You do not have that half of God in you any longer. Are you with me? Woman, you don't have a masculine side. You are half of the image of God. You are half of the image of God. You cannot be a man and a man cannot be a woman. But we must have man and woman to reign in this earth or we cannot fully agree for the purposes of God to have dominion in this earth to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the way that he first started it. Are you guys with me? We haven't got to the curse yet. This is just his original design. He placed his image in male and female and he said, reign over the earth. And he says this, now watch, this is getting exciting. Therefore a man, now this goes back. So this is, now Moses is hearing this stuff from God and he's writing it down for us. Okay, he's writing it down. And you know what? A lot of bad stuff has happened between the time that this happened and the time that Moses is hearing from the Lord by virtue of talking to him face to face as a friend. So Moses wrote this down. God told Moses, Moses, this is how it went down. Okay, are you with me? But between the time that Adam and Eve eat from the tree, which we know this happens, till the time that Moses is there, there's a lot of stuff that has happened. And so God is setting the record straight and saying, hey dudes, you're not made in my image, and she was made as your servant. God is setting the record straight. You guys see this? He's going back and saying, listen, because remember I talked about my daughter, who God forbid left and went and hitchhiked and ended up in human trafficking? Well, she doesn't remember where she came from, and it was never my desire. But when we rescued her and the FBI broke in and they brought her back home, and she, her mind is so messed up she can't remember what happened, and I say, baby, I didn't send you away. I never wanted this to happen to you. And now we're going to heal you. Let me tell you who you really are. You're a daughter of the king. You're the daughter of this daddy. Let's restore you back to the truth. I know horrible things have happened. I know a lot of people have told you a lot of lies, but let me tell you the truth. I know that that society that you've been a part in has told you you're nothing but a piece of meat. You're made for nothing but to serve the pleasure of men. I'm telling you, you're greater than that. Let me tell you the truth. Let me set the record straight. 
It was an enemy of mine that stole you. I didn't dream that up for you. I didn't create these things. You didn't make a bad decision and eat from the fruit of a tree. And then I cursed you for all time. And when Jesus came and died to break the curse, then I said, only for the men. No, you are made in my image. And I created you to carry my identity on this earth. You carry half of my authority, half of my identity, and I want you to agree that my kingdom would come and my will would be done. And if you, male and female, do not agree in the name of Jesus, then my kingdom is not fully done. I mean, sorry, has not fully come and my will is not being fully done. The scripture says, in Christ there is neither male nor female but all are brought together in Christ. What is he saying? Your hierarchy, this thing that was created from the time that Adam and Eve ate from the tree to the time that we are now, your traditions of men, what did Jesus say? You're teaching nothing but traditions and rules made by men. The devil came to kill and steal and destroy. I came to give you life and life abundantly. I came to remind you that in the beginning, I made you in my image, male, and female, and I vested my authority in you both to show who I am on this earth. And how do you do that? That you agree. And therefore a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So God is setting the record straight. He's setting the record straight with a whole bunch of people who are still acting like polygamists, who are still making up all kinds of rules. Well, women are dumb. They're deceived real easy by the snake. Adam was right there. What were you doing, Adam? Why is that on her? Well, the snake came and talked at her, and I didn't want to interrupt her because I'm a real gentleman. So I didn't. It looked good, so I had some, but it was mostly her fault. I would like to at least say this. She must have been pretty powerful, must have been a powerful leader because Adam followed her. And you know what? She must have had real authority because when the curse came, it came on her just as much as him, which means she was just as responsible as him, which means when Christ broke the curse, there's no hierarchy anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for broken curses, Jesus. In Malachi, you guys are still like, so what does this have to do with prayer? Everything. Don't worry. Everything. In Malachi, God is speaking to Israel, and he comes in, and Israel is just having some troubles, okay? And he comes in, and he says to them, he's giving them a list of things that they're doing, all right? They weren't tithing. He says, well, a man robbed God, yet you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. And he's got a list. I'm just going to talk about one part of the list. He says this, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying, so he does not regard the offering anymore, and nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. And you say, for what reason? And he says, because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth with whom you have dealt treacherously. And yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? 
He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. He's coming in because Israel, they're divorcing their wives. They're treating them like garbage. They're going out and getting other wives and they're saying, ah, yeah, whatever. You know, you're just a woman anyway. Women have been treated like garbage ever since Eve, okay? Satan hates women. By the way, I mean, Jesus gave some pretty huge promises about how Jesus would come through the seed of Eve and bruise his head. It's not like he didn't hear that. He's like, are you telling me that woman is coming after me? I better try to dominate them all. And it's been happening. And the scary part is that even to this day, there are still those of us that have grown up hearing a mixture of lies and truth in the name of Jesus and in the name of the gospel and in the name of the scripture taken out of context. And we've been nodding and saying, amen, Satan. Keep those women down because otherwise we might get deceived. Are you guys having fun? Okay. But the Lord is saying something different. Even in this covenant, in the old covenant, the old covenant, God's heart wasn't different. It was still loving. And he was saying this, you don't get to just dominate your women. You don't get to just forget the wife of your youth. In fact, the thing you need to understand is that if you've forsaken your wife, if you're dealing treacherously with her, if you're treating her as something other than what I created her to be in the garden, as a co-heir, who reigns with me to see my kingdom come and my will be done in my spirit with my heart and my context and my desires and my motives, if that's something that you're not doing, I actually won't answer your prayer. You you, you notice how you're not getting your prayers answered? Look and see how you're treating your wife because unless you're treating her like Jesus treats the church, I will not hear your prayers. They will not come to me. I will not listen. He's, and he's really hardcore about this. He's like, you can't come before me as a man who dominates his wife, as a man who tries to subjugate his wife, who deals treacherously with his wife. I will not answer your prayers. Why? Because I desire that you be one flesh, that you be one spirit, that you be as I created you in the garden to agree with my heart, with me in prayer. In purpose, in practice, in peace, in honor. Just as you see me interacting with myself, you interact that way with your wife and with women, and I will answer your prayer, and vice versa. Why? Because we actually hold the authority together to bring his kingdom, and he will not bring his kingdom for half of that equation. I love the fact that God, his, he, the Pharisees are asking God questions, and uh, Jesus, and they say, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love God with all your heart. He says, the Lord your God is one. Love him with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The authority that created the earth came from agreement when God spoke amongst himself and created Adam and Eve, he created two people, the basis of all agreement, male and female. Those that were made in his image then agreed, unfortunately, to reject God at one point, but they also agreed to continue to move forward, and they did begin to procreate, and they agreed together, and they became one they created 
more of heaven because he said, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. God didn't just write them off, they continued, and here we are. But through Christ, we've been restored. Now, 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 now track with me here. We're going to get down to the prayer piece. But this is key. Well, let me just keep going. Okay. God agrees, and he creates. God gives us all authority, and he says, you've been made in my image. I've given you all authority on this earth. And how many of you know that when Jesus died and rose again, he said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to do all the things that I've commanded you. Right? Which is love God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself, make disciples of all nations. What kinds of disciples? The kind who restore God's original intentions on the earth. The, the God that wanted his sons and daughters to reign in this earth. The God that vested his entire identity into men and women. And here's what he says. If any two, let me, let me skip to the scripture. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Isn't this interesting? God is saying, now, now, I'm not saying this is the only aspect of prayer because there are those times where you go away in your closet and you meet with God by yourself. I understand that. It's vital. I'm talking about another facet, though, that when we go to create things on earth, when we're looking to say, Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your authority be released in this situation. God requires agreement before he'll answer that prayer. There are prayers that we pray that we must come together and agree before that's going to happen. Now, I'm moving outside of male and female right now. And, and I don't have time. I think I'm going to have to do a follow-up here. I don't have time to talk about the fact, but you know that the marriage represents everything that God wants to do. It also represents Jesus and the bride. We're all brides in here. It represents Jesus and the bride, the agreement with God. We're agreeing with God for his purposes. But the main thing I want to point out is this. This is the original picture of agreement. You guys catch that? This is the picture of agreement. And look at the power that happened. When Adam and Eve agreed, and by the way, they did agree, to give all authority to Satan. Satan got all the authority. And the earth was under darkness until Christ came. And then Christ reconciled us back to the Father and now the curse has been lifted off of us. And Jesus said this, I want you to go and extend my kingdom. And we have the scripture to show us how we do that. Isn't it interesting that God started with two people and put everything in their hands that what they agreed on is what would get released in the earth. Isn't it interesting that the beginning of all creation and all society was when two people made in God's image, male and female, agreed? That's when life created. Life was created yet again. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he comes, he comes and says, and again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. He has it's, it's, here's what's amazing. God 
has wrapped the authority for releasing heaven on earth in two people agreeing. There are things that we must do together because he will not answer them if we do them apart. You cannot do, you cannot release God's purposes your way. You can only release God's purposes by doing things God's way. Are you guys with me? It's the power of agreement. It's just my father. He's like, good job, Josh. (laughs) I think this is all I can do today. But this is the premise. This is the premise of agreement. This is the premise of agreement that God created us in his image and we must come together and when we pray and we agree for something in his name, he says he will do it. And he showed us the original example of that for better or worse in Adam and Eve. And now he's saying, it hasn't changed. I still want you to come together and agree. And what's wild is that every time you see the mystery of God with the church, he talks about it in how we are to act within marriage. He says, look, the church won't work unless it's shaped around the way I created marriage. And if you want to know how marriage works, go back to the Garden of Eden because there was no sin. There was no uh, traditions that had been created. There was no um, contextualization or culturization of that picture. It was very good. We're going to pass out communion. Did I give you something to think about today? For, for a lot of us, we have been taught a lot about marriage, and we've been taught a lot about the roles of male and female within the church that is totally out of context with the history of God laid down in Scripture. And so I realize and I recognize that some of the things that I've said today are probably kind of hard to take, and, and I'm sorry that it's hard to take. But the good news is, is that Jesus said, if you will become like a little child, which means teachable, then you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This morning I was looking for a scripture to back up this preach. And it's a scripture that I've quoted often. (laughs) And that scripture is where God is talking to the Israelites in Deuteronomy and he says, one we'll put 1,000 to flight, and two, we'll put 10,000 to flight. And I love that scripture, and I, and I pray it all the time. I'm like, oh, man, you're probably just standing against 1,001. Let's pray together, and that way we can stand against 10,000. And that's true. It's a good principle. But the context of that scripture is actually God is, is singing, is giving Moses a song for Israel, and he's reminding them, hey, guys, by the way, if 1,000 people are fleeing from one or 10,000 from two, It's because I have made a judgment against those people. And he's saying, so if you find a thousand of you running from one or 10,000 running from two, it's because you're in trouble with me. So I've been taking that scripture out of context. My application was kind of okay, 
but I've actually been taking that scripture out of context for like 20 years. And I just found that out this morning. And I'm really disappointed to tell you the truth because I quote it all the time. Jason, do I quote that all the time? It's like every other time I pray for Jason. Not really. But I do quote it all the time. And I've been misquoting it all the time. There was another one I misquote all the time. See to it, you not depart from the simplicity of the gospel. That's not in the Bible. And I've been quoting it like it was. I thought it was. I had garbled it a little bit and I said it enough times that I live by it. Still a good principle, but if I'm quoting it as a scripture, I'm taking it out of context and I've made my own thing a tradition. So I had to die to my tradition of misapplying this scripture this morning. We're going to take communion together here, so, um, and I'm going to wrap this up right now. What's my point? My point is a lot of us have taken scripture out of context. We've learned the traditions of men. And then we may have to give some things up because we've been misapplying scripture for a lot of years. And we've been wondering why our prayers haven't been getting answered. We've been trying to get other people to agree with us in prayer, but we don't agree with our wife. And God will not answer your prayer. Some of us don't want any women leaders because we think that that's what the Bible says. We've taken scriptures out of context and we bristle at the idea of a woman leading. But you've been taking that scripture out of context and you may have been taught that scripture out of context. Most of us have. If you're over like 30 you probably have been taught scriptures about women in leadership out of context. I endeavor to lay bare those scriptures so that we can see God's desire for the earth, God's desire from heaven released on earth. And, I'll, and I will show you from scripture. You won't, you won't be concerned. You won't think it's heresy. But you will have to become like a child and be teachable. You'll have to lay aside those same tendencies of, but I know these scriptures and I know what I know. So did the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they killed Christ. He said, you study the scriptures because you think that I'm in them, but here I am before you. And they crucified him. They didn't understand the spirit of the word. They only understood the law. So I'm going to pray for my own protection. I know that you guys are an amazing house. And I know that God is in this. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just teasing. But I do know that God desires to see his original desires for this earth released in those who are made in his image, male and female. And I know that as we catch a hold of that peace, there's a profound shift that happens in our prayers because we're returning to the original agreement between two people, male and female. And there's something about going back and allowing God to fix our foundations that is integral for us to be able to agree in other situations. Do you understand this? Let us pray. Father, we take this, your blood. But Lord, we don't take it lightly because Jesus, we know that in order for the curse to be lifted, the curse that stripped women of their dignity and their leadership you had to bleed. Lord, the curse that was put upon us that caused us to be deceitful in our own hearts, where we rationalize things because of our own, the things that we have to gain, or our sense of control, our sense of 
Stability. But you said the heart is deceitful above all things. And in order for us to be born again and our heart to be changed, you had to die. Jesus, in order to rescue us, you came and became a servant of all. You served us. You became Azer. You became a suitable helpmate. And you died in our place. And so, Lord, we accept this, but, but we ask this, Lord, as we take your blood, we need you to bring us revelation. We need you to tear down the idols of culture, even those things, even some of the things we've learned in church. God, it has to be a miracle that you can both protect us, remind us we're safe, and give us the ability to change our minds. It's a miracle. The same kind of miracle that took us from death into life, from sinners to saints, from depravity to holiness. Lord, as we take this, do a miracle in us, God. Let us be like children. Humble us, God, and save us. We ask in Jesus' name as we take this in remembrance of your blood which was shed. Lord, your body was broken. We are the body. Because of what you've done, You've made us a body. We do not come to you alone. We come to you together. You've made one new man, it says in the word. And so, Lord, as we take this, your body, which was broken for us, we take it knowing that because your body was broken, we were made whole. And we are all part of your body. And you, Christ Jesus, are the head. We take this, your body, now in remembrance of what you have done. The prayer servant team is going to come up. If you need healing in your body or encouragement, I want you to come and get prayer today. But in the meantime, I'd like us to end this by simply saying with gusto unto the Lord, the breaker of curses, the maker new of all things, a big fat thank you. So on three, let's just shout it out to him. One, two, three. Thank you! Thank you!